ever remember Manchester United playing Huddersfield? <laughs> no, I thought you were going to ask me something completely different then. Uh, I do not. But when was the last time United played Huddersfield? I will look it up by the time we preview the Manchester United against Huddersfield game. I suppose we should start the show with a show stopper, or at least uh, that's what Sky spent two weeks hyping up the fixture to be, when in fact it was an utterly pathetic, damp squib of a performance of which both teams should be thoroughly ashamed. They should be, yes, uh, both teams. Um, I think Liverpool contributed to the lack of entertainment, although not that Klopp would have you believe that. Uh, apparently it was a moral victory for the Anfield side. Although, look, um, to put some context behind this, uh, United have had two shots on targets over the 180 minutes in which we played Liverpool at Anfield under Mourinho. That's not a lot of shots. Um, the uh, XG for the game, fairly telling. And in fact, uh, backed up. Klopp's assertion to a large part, given um, they generated 1.8 XG, which is a lot. Um, And United generated 0.3, which is not a lot. It's not a lot, and maybe even generous. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I saw a lot of people say that Lukaku should have buried that one chance that he had. Um, It's kind of telling that XG would rate that chance as being like a goal in every five times it happens, yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, but, uh, you know, why uh, Why believe any of the data when you have a, another narrative that you want to get out there? So, um, actually, Lukaku's chance conversion rate, or XG, is, is well ahead of his actual goal. So, you know, he's uh, he is taking more chances than he really should. And um, uh, But there seems to be a kind of dominant narrative about him that he misses a lot of chances. His conversion rate is very high, too. Uh, much better than Harry Kane's. But anyway, um, he, he didn't really get a lot of chances to convert against Liverpool because United play nine at the back. Mourinho joined, joked before the game that he was going to play nine forwards. Oh, the japester that he is. We, we should have known, shouldn't we? Um, Ashley Young restored to the forward line, mainly as a second full-back. And uh, Martial spent most of his time at left-back. Uh, Lukaku was about 50 yards ahead of his teammates and everyone else was defending. Awesome stuff. The he um the Martial thing, I was thinking, I think I made this comment to someone that like obviously it's bad that Martial's playing left back, but in the long run, maybe it's good because Mourinho will now be convinced that Anthony Martial can put in the kind of defensive shift he so desperately loves. I mean, I have to say that when you look at that starting eleven and you look at the system, okay, so young as a sort of supplementary second fault, second right back, that is a that is a an overtly defensive move um but nothing else about the team selection was spectacularly defensive Damian over you know young at left back or and or blint at left back say that the less defensive options that's that's a nod towards a defensive mindset but basically a 4-2-3-1 um in theory um and I and Although Mourinho can definitely definitely warrants a good deal of criticism for lack of intent, I actually thought the players were, for the most part, basically a disgrace to the profession in that game. Like, just absolutely kind of guileless. A performance in which the tension of the performance completely looked like it got the better of them. Mm, maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I, I think they probably spent all week just working on defensive shape because they were very organised, United, you know, uh, bigger and stronger than Liverpool and, and super organised. And although Liverpool's XG is, is reasonably high, I'm going to guess that quite a bit of that XG was from 
the uh, the uh, shot. I've forgotten who had the shot now. That Emery Chan. Uh, Chan, yeah, and and David De Gea pulled off some mir- miracle of bendy leggedness. Oh no, uh, in I am um, to save it. I didn't mean that one. I think the XG on that chance would be lower than the one that Chan fired over the bar from three yards out or whatever. I, I would say that Liverpool had three guilt edge chances: the one that De Gea saved, the one Chan knocked over the bar, and the one that Salah skewed wide in the in the kind of follow-up to uh the, the the amazing De Gea save I I mean I don't think you can say that Liverpool were kind of contained and didn't create dangerous chances because they could easily have you know yeah they could it, easily have scored they could have won three nil yeah um although I'm not sure that it would have been completely a reflection of the game I mean they obviously had a lot of a lot of the ball Liverpool but uh uh, I, I felt United had a lot of control when they needed to, which was basically the defensive third. Um, I mean, look, that, that's not the like level of performance is poor from the players. Um, but the thing that I think pissed a lot of people off um, is is the, the the intent. Right, this is a Liverpool side. It's ninth. It's not a good Liverpool side. They're not. They've won once in the last sort of seven or eight games or something like that. They're not playing particularly well. And this is the United side that was playing well. Um, and you know, does this? Do we get this kind of performance in every fixture United are playing a top side? Because if that's the case, if there's sort of six or seven games against well, sides that are better than Liverpool, and United just can play a, for a point in all of them, that's a hell of a lot of points dropped. I'm not sure that City will be doing that, and you know, we we might be looking back in sort of April May time and going, hmm, if we'd just been a bit bolder in a few of those games. For me. Given how poor Liverpool have been this season, that's that's two points lost, um, and mostly it's it. Some of it's down to performance, but most of it's down to the intent. And you know, the intent was to get a clean sheet. See, I don't, and that was about it. I, I think that that I would say I'd put it at sixty forty intent versus performance, because in a way, I was leaning more towards its performance rather than intent until the latter stages of the game when United were time-wasting at nil-nil against the team in seventh in the Premier League. Um, I, I, I tweeted after the game, I was well annoyed, to be fair. Terrible performance, terrible result. And I think terrible result is uh, is obviously the hyperbole of the moment, but poor result no doubt it's a poor result like the fact that City battered Stoke 7-2 at the weekend kind of just puts into a degree of perspective now maybe they won't last the season playing like they're playing but if we're realistic I mean nil-nil away at Liverpool is a great result if you're trying to get a kind of comfortable top four finish if we're gonna if we're gonna you know take as red that we're gonna batter everyone bad but if we're seriously contending for the league this isn't this this Liverpool team is terrible. <laughs> like it's it's, ugh. but yeah yeah no that's the frustrating thing. Um, if it was a good Liverpool side and you were going to Anfield and uh, Liverpool were chasing the title or something like that, okay, all right, you know, be pragmatic. But I actually think this was not the pr- pragmatic performance. This was just an unnecessarily defensive performance because it's not that great a side. So I'm now going to uh, take the. Um, the the forty percent player performance perspective though because Ashley Young dread I'm a dreadful performance on the ball uh, five attempted crosses none found a man seventy five percent pass completion which can considering how kind of well twenty attempted passes total Henry Mkhitaryan again 
really, really average. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, it was it was good to see him getting hooked for Jesse Lingard, which is not something you'd necessarily say. I mean, Anthony Martial was on a kind of hiding to nothing, really, but um, couldn't get his pass completion on, above 75%. Again, only 16 passes attempted by Martial. Like, just, um, I thought Herrera was really lax. I mean, he did well defensively, but appalling on the ball. Matic played well I thought um I I guess the centre-backs played okay but you know I I think if we'd lost this game well listen XG for what it's worth is a rough measure of quality of chances so if we'd lost this game 2-0 that would have that would seem pretty fair given the balance of play I just I just thought they were Damian oh my goodness a special mention for Matteo Darmian, whatever the opposite of man of the match is, a completely just hapless performance. Um, uh, nearly took someone, like nearly got himself sent off by uh, by kind of doing a flying kick at someone's head late on in the game. And, and you could see why he might be frustrated after a display like that. Just, just did the wrong thing almost every time he had the ball. Just really frustrating, maddening, horrible game of football. Mm, it was. Uh, the only one I'd take issue with you there is, is Herrera. I mean, I think he was just told to do a defensive job and that's what he's doing. He put nine tackles. And, uh, you know, not great on the ball, but no one in the United side was great on the ball. There was no movement. They were in shape all the time. I mean, Lukaku touched the ball 22 times. I was actually surprised when I looked that one up that he had that many touches. He was that far away from the rest of his teammates. I thought this was going to be another Robin Van Persie 12 touches type thing. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, horrible. I I, I think it's more like 80-20. Um, set up versus performance. I think you know it was set up in a fashion that did not allow them to retain possession of the ball. Right. Uh, yeah, just really, really, really frustrating, and um, I, I just unnecessary, just totally unnecessary. And you know, if we like, if if you take those games against uh, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, right, nominal top six with us, mm-hmm. uh, five games we're going to play for draw in all of them. We're better off. Winning two, losing three, than we are drawing five. Just, just fact. More points by doing that. Yeah, and and the other thing about that is treating them as equal threats seems absolutely ridiculous at this point because they're clearly grady. Um, there's a gradient on which those teams should be threats should be measured because Liverpool and City are nowhere near each other in terms of standard. City are miles and miles ahead of Liverpool. Arsenal and Tottenham, same. So, you know, for Mourinho to just write this off, uh, should we settle if you're on 80-20 and I'm on 60-40? Is the official position of the rank cast 70-30? Is that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I just don't even know what to say about it. We've had a question, which I'll, I'll look up who it's from in a minute, but... Um, we had a question about whether this was the worst United performance in recent memory. And of course it isn't. I mean, Watford 3-1 last season was just completely terrible. Um, But this was one of the most disappointing. And I think, you know, disappointment is always a measure of expectation in a way, isn't it? Like, I think one of the reasons this game was so unpleasant to watch was, for me, it was almost a bit of a benchmark for for where we're at. And it turns out that where we're at is just, you know, Mourinho is going to play 
Ashley Young on the right wing and Matteo Damian at left back against Liverpool away and we're going to be crap and scrape through the game with a nil-nil draw. Yeah, basically. Um, and uh, I don't think you can win Premier League titles playing that way. I, I don't, for all um, for all the kind of reputation Mourinho has, I don't remember his Chelsea sides playing that way that often. You know, specific cases, but not repeatedly. And we've seen this a few times now. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess he just doesn't trust his team fully, which is odd, though, because uh, they... Uh, They've been playing well for the most part. Anyway, look, we had a debate in uh, debate previously, didn't we, about how good this United team was and uh, the fact that uh, we played mm. a load of guff so far this season. Um, uh, we played a load of guff at the weekend as well. Uh, but but apparently we were scared yeah, of that guff. that's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? It's not even like this is a, you know, lots of talk about the first real test. They're terrible. They're so bad. They couldn't beat us. And we were rubbish. Like, honestly. No, I mean, ugh. they won 12 games ugh. at home last, last season, Liverpool did. Right? They're just not that good. Uh, and they haven't made any progress this season. In fact, it looks like they're going backwards. Uh, you know, and I'm sure it's Liverpool and it's Anfield, but Mourinho made such a big point before the game about how the atmosphere would help United and we're looking forward to it. So you can't even excuse that. I've seen a lot of Reds make a load of excuses for this performance. Oh, of course, because people will rationalise it, yeah. you know, because um, no one likes to hear that we were just negative and defensive, but it, United were. And so, look, you know, from the from Mourinho doesn't get it. He just he does not accept. You look, look at his post-match press conference. He was, he was pretty tetchy, I think, by the end of it, uh, because he was being asked about the... the uh, performance and the tactics he just does not accept that uh that he's off base at all here he he thinks uh he should be getting praise for nullifying the opposition and and you know he's had Sutton Neil Custis was out today praising him for nullifying the opposition but uh I think this is the United side that wants to chase the title gotta do more than that I, I, I cannot I may have to eat my words later in the season but I cannot imagine City will go to Anfield and play nine at the back. Well, they <laughs> they definitely won't. The thing is just whether what they try works. That's that's whether that's when Mourinho is vindicated or otherwise, isn't it? Um, the uh, I've seen a couple of journalists going. I can't understand the criticism Mourinho is getting. Seen a lot of United fans absolutely delighted because um, in you know from a United perspective, Mourinho won the war of words because you know Klopp talked a load of nonsense, which he did, but. It, it, United did not nullify Liverpool in that game. Liverpool had multiple excellent chances to win that game. The, the chances that Liverpool spurned were better chances than the one singular chance that Lukaku spurned. Yeah, no, no, and that's right. I mean, it's just that United are on cheat mode with the goalkeeper. Yeah. He's, he's just he's just outstanding. Yes. Though. And there's no other keeper in the world that can pull off that save with his foot. It's freak. It's a freak. No one should be that flexible and that quick. I'm... Um, um, I'm, I'm I'm firmly inching towards the position of believing David De Gea is Manchester United's greatest goalkeeper of the modern era, Ed. I know this is controversial, but... It is controversial. Oh, I don't know. You might have to win a European Cup first. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I feel like that's very unfair on a goalkeeper. I always, I, It's like the people who argue that Messi can't be the greatest of all time because he's never won the World Cup. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you know, people, people remember the big moments. That said, that said, Peter Schmeichel did go and play for City. 
and he's a terrible pundit. So these things are counting against him too. Yeah. Um, that save was, I mean, it was beyond heart and mouth, wasn't it? It was the kind of save that he makes so often where the crowd are already celebrating the goal. The, it, David De Gea is amazing at pro- producing the kind of oh! noise out of the opposition. Yeah. Um, well, look, I, I really hope we're not going to have to face that uh, every time United play a decent side, but I kind of suspect we might. Um but it, it really does have me thinking that United cannot win the Premier League. We're, we're just going to, because we'll lose some of those games against the top teams, and uh, maybe we'll nick one with a goal on the break. Not didn't really even play on the break at Anfield, or one with a, a set piece or something like that, and, and win a game. But but really, the odds of you winning games playing in that fashion are very low. I have to say though, th- this is where the I think 30% is a more fair reflection of individual player performance uh, responsibility than 20 would be because um, one of the the main reason we didn't play on the break was our players fluffed their lines time after time after time when opportunities for breaks occurred. Mkhitaryan, Young, Damian, uh, I can't really remember Valencia doing that, but it's just all kind of faded into a dull haze. But, you know, um, in Martial too, like obviously in difficult circumstances. But yeah, it was just every time there was an opportunity to break, it was spurned. Um, and so I feel like that is one of the reasons why the performance looked so completely toothless was because players that should be able to carry the threat on the counter didn't. Yeah, but it was a strange selection, wasn't it? Ashley Young. I mean, he hasn't played up front in yeah. years. He hasn't scored in like three years. I mean, I guess the, the logic goes he's in decent form in terms of putting balls in, in the, at the moment and it's him or Juan Mata in Mourinho's eyes and Juan Mata's definitely not going to carry a counter-attack up the pitch, is he? Uh, no, but he used the ball really smartly. So uh, I did, and, and he's been playing well this season. So uh, it didn't didn't make... I mean, you know, the argument for um, Henrik Mitterian playing at number 10 is, is quite low at the moment. He's put in a lot of crappy performances recently. Um, so anyway... Thought, I thought Mourinho got it wrong. Uh, it was unnecessary to play that defensively. And uh, he just went back to basics, basically. And that, that's his back to basics. Uh, stories emerging this evening as we record from Big Dunk uh, that uh, Mourinho is stalling on a potential new contract or he's uh, perhaps actively even thinking about moving elsewhere. He was uh, he was on French TV this weekend, sort of flirting with PSG as well, it seems, you know. Is he angling for that job? Does he want out? Is this just contract negotiations and he wants a few extra million on top of his already hefty contract? He's uh, very unhappy with the way the club conducted their transfer business, according to an article um, which cites close friends of Mourinho, <laughs> a.k.a. Dunker Castles himself. Um, but the... Uh, in public, of course, what he said was, I know the club did everything they possibly could. I can't be angry at the club. I can't remember the exact quote, but it was basically that. I certainly won't be I certainly won't be crying about it, is what he said, if the club can't sign a fourth player. Seems to be crying about it. I don't know. Like, mm, seems to now be crying about it. Yeah. So I, I think what needs to be done now is, uh, I mean, you know, I don't know the truth of how bureaucratic United are. I know I know they basically have to go to the Glazers to move, but uh, they are surely quicker than uh, the time when they were a PLC and had to do all the due diligence on this kind of stuff. But um, and I, 
you know, who knows whether Mourinho's really unhappy about United's level of spending. It seemed quite healthy to me, uh, to be honest, um, uh, over the, the two summer windows that he's been in place. But, you know, the, the best thing that United could do now, uh, Mr Woodward, is uh, go and be caught having lunch with Mauricio Pochettino, you know. That that would get the headline writers going, wouldn't it? Certainly would. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, when we smash Benfica and Huddersfield away, 4-0 each, I feel all buzzy about Jose Mourinho again. But right now, it just was... It just felt like a big shame. And obviously, you know, lots of people are going to be very tribal about it and be like, oh, no, he got the spot on. And it's just like, if you think Mourinho got the tactics spot on in that game, you have to you have to look at the numbers again because nothing about those numbers tell the story of a manager getting his tactics spot on. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, at least Liverpool are worse than us, obviously. Like, that is... <laughs> kind of the one consolation in all this but that is a pretty pathetic consolation isn't it uh yes it is anyway all right i've got a great rank cast question here from um primordial superman who says do you think the false narrative that we parked the bus is better or worse than the truth that we were just not very good and i think that is a really solid point um because i'm not convinced that the bus was uh, by any means fully parked he didn't play six at the back he just uh they were just dreadful Mm, right, you see, I don't think these things are mutually excuse- exclusive. I, I think uh, United set out to play in a very rigid shape and that had a lot of impact on their ability to move the ball. By the way, what world is this where United are back and we're kind of disappointed that the international break's over because United were terrible, but this last international break was absolutely amazing. Pretty- yeah, there was one one particular day. Was it the Wednesday last week? Tuesday or Wednesday last week? We had uh, Australia versus Syria in the morning, going to extra time, and Tim Cahill, 87, leaped up <laughs> and uh, leaped up about 12 feet to score the winner with a couple of minutes left in extra time, and then uh, uh, very naughtily did some kind of sponsor logo celebration. No, not 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 having that, Tim. That's not good. Uh, and then what did we have? We had um, drama as USA were beaten by the mighty Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. Um, uh, Argentina uh, went to Ecuador and Messi scored a outrageous hat trick to take Argentina through. There was uh, Egypt scoring a last minute penalty. Yeah, uh, that was bonkers, that was. Uh, what else do we have? Chile losing uh, in Brazil. Uh, that's not that much of a surprise, but they got themselves knocked out. Then we have Panama. some biz- bizarre stuff with Panama. Um, uh, uh, getting through and, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the moment of the uh, international break, a ball boy uh, doing a spectacular <laughs> job at time-wasting by absolutely lashing it into Rose Ed. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure everyone's seen that one. But if you haven't, just Google ball boy Panama, you'll find it. Um, what else? We had a, a goal that was given that clearly wasn't a goal and i think uh, that's one of the main reasons the usa didn't make it as well which is yeah, yeah. like that that, that goal well, was that, that and they lost to a really crap side yeah um, they, they haven't uh not been to a world cup since 1986 the usa i was really surprised to discover that because because in my brain the 1986 world cup the teams that made it to that are the normal teams that always make it to the world cup in my head like canada being in the north in the world cup is just normal um and the usa not being is also normal but apparently it very much isn't 
No, no, and uh, lots of bleating about that. Although uh, a lot of journalists with a bit of passive sexism forgetting that the uh, USA women's team has won the World Cup three times. You know, a lot of bleating about US football. But, um, you know, there are clearly some challenges. Uh, Everyone in the US plays soccer um, up to a certain age, uh, and then they don't. And uh, the MLS is really, really crap about mid-championship level. Um, mm. I've been to a few games, so yeah, feel uh, well enough educated on MLS to know that. So they're just, yeah, I mean, you know, twenty years of the MLS and and the standards haven't improved that much, really, and it's it's a bit of a structural problem for them. But anyway, we won't. I, I guess uh, everyone at Russia twenty eighteen will be quite happy about that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And they're allies now. I mean, nothing. I didn't say anything. Forget it. I promise not to talk about politics. That's right. Um, um, so we got we got some. Um, oh, Ireland beat Wales. That was. Uh, oh, that was. That was a very good performance not, from the Irish. I thought. So. No, it, it was a bad game. You can't like slate United for ages for parking the bus and then praise Ireland for that performance. Yeah, but it was look, very poor. But, but look, you know, they got sixteen players in that squad that are from the championship. Yeah, uh, O'Neill is doing miracles with a you know a collection of players that are not very good, and worst collection of Irish players for a long time, I'd say. Um, and and so they're into the playoffs. And um, uh, what what other surprises were there? Uh, well, Portugal beat Switzerland. Maybe not a surprise, but Switzerland had been very good in qualification up till that point. France beat Bulgaria and Belarus, which is kind of a surprise at this point. Um, uh, I'll tell you what, the real surprise was story started breaking that Deschamps' contract is going to be extended to 2020 before the World Cup, which is just like, what are you doing? Qu'est-ce que vous faites? What is happening here? Why would you give this man more time to do the terrible, terrible job he's doing? Yeah. Um, uh, so we'll, next month we'll get the playoffs, which should be good. I don't think the draw's been made, but uh, Ireland, Switzerland, Sweden, Italy. Northern Ireland some good as well. Teams there. Northern Ireland as well, yeah. Some good teams there, not Scotland, who uh, <laughs> did the very Scottish thing of scoring an equaliser with about two minutes left and giving themselves hope. Uh, uh, the, the moment when in the Ireland game, uh, I can't remember, oh yeah, it was Tom Lawrence for Wales, was lining up a free kick late on. And the thing is, if Wales had scored at that point, all that would have happened is neither team would have got through. <laughs> and so uh, I thought it was very gentlemanly of him, well raised by uh, United's Irish contingent. Laurent Lawrence just blasted it out into touch, like faking doing a terrible free kick. But I think it was it was in honour of the Irish. The scenes in the Ireland end in that game looked absolutely unbelievable. The full-time scenes were beautiful and lots of happy Roy Keane, which is always good. Uh, I'm sure there was some fun had in Cardiff yeah. uh, that evening. Yeah. So, yeah, um, uh, next month we get all those playoffs and then I think there's, uh, there's Honduras versus Australia, is it, in the intercontinental playoff? Right. Uh, um, yeah, so, yeah, four four European playoffs two over two legs and then uh, uh, Honduras versus Australia. Should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I learned basically what this all comes down to is that international football gets really good once there are stakes like that's this is the problem with so much of the qualifying is it just it's so long and drawn out over two years that it's hard to get invested in those weeks um when international football seems interminable and dull but once the stakes yeah unfortunately it's going to get worse with uh, 48 teams you're gonna especially in europe you can have some groups where it's like harder to not qualify than it is to qualify yeah um so you know and and uh 
I guess this is going to be lots more money in somebody's pocket somewhere because you're increasing the TV pool. Uh, it's always about money, isn't it? Uh, but I think it's going to make qualification even more boring. So should we do some rank house questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> At Matters, mate, says, uh, he says, how to make pass, which was funny. But then he says, in all seriousness, though, the lineup was all wrong. You can't just play Ashley Young outside his natural position of right back. <laughs> really made me laugh, that did. Good. Um, At Oye Creation says, what's the point in spending millions on the squad if we're going to defend deep against our biggest rivals? Yeah, quite. Um, is Mikatarian a big game bottler? Says at Man Stew FC. I can only remember Spurs last year when he's been a match winner. I mean, he was big in the Europa League, wasn't he? All the way through, pretty much. Yeah, but he bottled his big chance against Crystal Palace the other week. <laughs> I, I don't know. He, he's definitely a hot and cold player, and um, you know, in terms of form, he can have some real stinkers. Uh, but he does come up with decent numbers uh, because he takes a lot of chances with with his passing. But uh, I mean, there was none of that against Liverpool, was there? Uh, it wasn't making the simple passes, let alone the difficult ones. At M Sporty Guy One says, "Does Jose plan games, game plan for teams based on reputation? I'm sure he once settled for point against a Moyes led United." Shudder. Yeah, that's true. That was that nil nil. <laughs> uh, David Moyes up for the Scotland job <laughs> poor Scotland yeah. boo they seem to have a choice between uh, Allardyce has ruled himself out of the running uh, that would be fun Allardyce in charge of Scotland I mean that would be excellent like that would be amazing he'd do such a good job we had a question when the last week um, from someone uh, who said they would? They offered to become a patron backer of the show if we promised never to mention David Moyes again. But I need the outlet more than I need the backing at this point, to be fair. Like, every time he speaks, I shudder and feel the need to get it off my chest. Um, at Nick Gilbert 86 says, nil-nil isn't so bad, considering Smalling and Darmian played, surely. <laughs> <laughs> Just hamstringing ourselves. Uh, um, two questions about left backs from at P Padman and at underscore Taylor Ben. Oh, three and one from at this time. Surely what's the deal with Luke Shaw? Um, as much as we all hate to admit it is Luke Shaw's time up. Will signing a decent left back who can cross well solve our team balance issues? Well, yeah, I mean, having a decent left back who can get up and down the pitch and is uh, athletic, and can defend and attack will certainly add more balance to United. That player could be Luke Shaw, but he's got to get himself fit. And, you know, he's three years at United, so it's kind of time for excuses. He's running out, isn't it? But, uh, you know, he's obviously got this hamstring problem. It's a fairly lengthy one. Uh, United appear to be sniffing around Danny Rose, maybe. maybe you know, and Luke Shaw was a big favourite at Pochettino's at Southampton. Maybe, maybe a little swap's on the cards. It never happens, though, does it? It does, they do, they happen sometimes. Um, I should say at this time, surely also said, yet another Englishman, lack, English footballer lacking professionalism, question mark. Does seem to be a bit of a space of it. I mean, you know, you say he's been at United three years, he's running out of excuses. A year of those he had a broken leg for, so... Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just a scratch. <laughs> um, do you think, says at Jay Bonser, that United will avoid a third season Jose Mourinho meltdown by shipping him off to PSG and bringing in Ancelotti? <laughs> He then did a crying laughing emoji to make it very clear that it was he was kidding. Yeah. 
Um, we'll see. Maybe they'll announce a new five-year contract for Mourinho in the coming weeks, uh, at which point the third season meltdown is almost certainly guaranteed. Um, all right, here, here's the question that we hinted at earlier. Uh, at Stevens, oh, the the one that I mentioned about where the Liverpool game was the worst in recent memory was from at Tony Kerrs. This one is from at Stevens BK, who says, how much does De Gea need to do slash achieve to officially overtake Schmeichel? And I think it's worth, worth a conversation because I think he's there. I think he's done it. I think um, he's been playing behind a much, much, much worse team than Peter Schmeichel. And the only thing he's behind him on is distribution. And his shot stopping is better than Schmeichel's and his concentration levels are better than Schmeichel's. He makes fewer mistakes. Yeah, don't know. Don't know. I mean, Big Pete did win a lot of trophies. He did, but he was playing in by far the best team in the country and for one season the best team in the world. Big Pete didn't flirt with Real Madrid every summer. (laughs) No, but he went. He literally went to Man City and celebrated in front of us with a cartwheel. <laughs> yeah, he did. I'm not not going to forgive him for that or his punditry. Uh, but apart from that, he's still got the edge. Just for a moment, I'm sure. In uh, you know, uh, by the time De Gea finally leaves us for Madrid, whether it's this summer or the next one, or the next one, or the next one, um, he will uh, officially be United's best ever. Um, at Annie Ruder, one one two. Um, I think it's Annie Rude R. Um, he says, did Mourinho get it tactically wrong by playing Young at right wing instead of either Mata or Lingard? Um, or Rashford or anyone else? Uh, yeah, well, quite. I, I think I think it's pretty clear that he did. Um, <laughs> at Gaz Two put, uh, who is fond of an acerbic sideways glance at Manchester United fans' reactions to stuff, says, "Can United catch City, or is two points insurmountable with just thirty games to go?" Not really the point, is it, Gaz? Not really the point. I mean, well, after we've defended resolutely for ninety-three minutes uh, at the Etihad and got ourselves a nil-nil draw, you know. Maybe, or a 1-0 win. Maybe we'll be uh, overtaking them. When do we play City, by the way? Is December, it December yeah. or something like that, isn't yeah. it? Um, at Trish JH says, Jose's such a pro, he's already doing the prep work for his third season meltdown, so who comes next? And then he, he acknowledges that actually what's probably happening is that Mourinho's just trying to get more money. Uh, yeah, yeah, for himself rather than uh, for the team, although I'm sure he'd like both. Uh, but But seriously... We can't think of Mourinho as a long-term manager because maybe he will turn out to be, but if he does, it will be against the run of everything that's ever happened previously. Um, so who who is the the who are the candidates for the job to get the job next? Well, I suppose if you're in the sort of elite manager merry-go-round, Ancelotti would would be you know high on the list. Uh, but if you want a young manager who's Clearly, uh, everyone in the game says he's uh, he's brilliant. It's Poch, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, out of those two, I would be much, much happier with Poch and Ancelotti because Ancelotti would feel like... Just appointing Ancelotti after Mourinho would just feel like a weird, pointless salve. It just... I don't know. It's, it's amazing how much it turns out I do actually really care about United having a long-term identity, you know? 
Uh, I thought I could roll with it, but no, I don't mind if it's Mourinho. Like, I don't mind if it's a Mourinho long-term identity. That's okay. But I just want someone with a vision and a plan, you know. Mm. Uh, at High Sparrow, underscore Sparrow, says to me on Twitter, it's not, not an official rank cast question, but uh, ponders, Poch is Moyes 2.0. Never won. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Um, at Mark LM Steele says, a long one on Sir Bobby and Ryan Giggs couldn't fit it into one tweet. So it says, when a shot of Sir Bobby, when there was a shot of Sir Bobby shown in the crowd yesterday, Martin Tyler talked about... Um, uh, Charlton's career with the club being unparalleled. While Mark says he mostly agrees, could an argument not be made for Ryan Giggs to have achieved the same, if not more than he did, and if not, why? I mean, I think... Yeah, well, Giggs won more trophies. Yeah, M- many, uh, he, many, he, many, 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 many more. Many, many, many more trophies. He won less individual honours, never won a World Cup and didn't win a European Player of the Year or any of those big individual things probably played in a better team. I mean, you know, United were very good 66, 67, 68 sort of period uh, during Charlton's heyday. And of course, he was in the team for the babes and all of that. Uh, but yeah, Giggs won many, many, many more trophies and played more games for the club. I think the, the thing about uh, Charlton's career being unparalleled, so for a long time he was the leading scorer and of course the record appearance maker up until Giggs, but Giggs not only overtook Charlton's record he overtook it in Charlton in 2008 and then smashed it basically over over the next five years um but I think it's kind of the emotion of what Charlton went through the the kind of the Munich Air disaster and the recovery and to be in the you know 1957 league winning team and then to be in the 1968 European Cup winning team as well is a pretty remarkable career in in a very different way to gigs but yeah I mean like Giggs is Giggs beats him on everything other than kind of sentiment really maybe not on ability I don't I don't know because it's all relative isn't it to the the age in which they played sure <laughs> at Big Shimmery Wall massive friend of the show says uh, just woke up from a really boring dream what's your prediction for the upcoming Liverpool versus United match <laughs> Yeah, 6-0 to United. We're going to go out there with nine strikers like Mourinho promised. Um, lots of questions of stuff we've already covered, so thank you for those, but we won't we won't go over the ground again. Um, Dave Big Shimmering Wall also says, is that going to be all of Victor Lindelof's league minutes for 2017? Will he even men- make the bench when Rocco's less dead? Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, I guess uh, we've been through this a few times with Mourinho and players, so no one's sort of panicking about Lindelof. Yet Mourinho signalled quite early on that he was going to take some take a while to adapt, and he's looked pretty shaky. He had a bad one for Sweden as well, didn't he? Um, against the Dutch, so uh, I guess he's just losing a bit of confidence. He needs to play a few games. Um, well, if Sweden qualify for the World Cup, he's he's going to want to he's going to want to take part in that, and uh, so he's going to need some need to play some games over the second half of the season. Otherwise, he's not going to make it. Yep. Um, Luke Carroll at Look See Here says, how does this performance make you feel about taking on City slash Chelsea? Do you expect similar levels of underwhelming? Yes, yes, yes. Probably, yeah, probably. I mean, Mourinho would love nothing more. You know, there's nothing more story than for uh, Pep to, you know, ticky-tacker it around the Etihad for 90 minutes and United to win 1-0 with 16% possession. I'm not going to ask you the question I'm really thinking, Ed, because uh, it feels it feels positively treacherous at this point. I'm just going to move on and say Manchester United are about to play Benfica. 
who have been absolutely terrible in this group so far. But we're away from home in a tough European tie, so I'm expecting it to be nil-nil. <laughs> Oh, how quickly! Oh, yeah, it no, all falls I mean, apart. it does. It does feel like that. I mean, United have actually scored very few goals against uh, top sides in the league over the last two years under Mourinho, and uh, and you know, there's been some n- not wonderful performances away from home. So um, it's yeah, there does seem a little slightly different narrative about United away from home um, under Mourinho. But this Benfica side is terrible. They 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 drawn their last couple of games um they uh, in the league that is they uh, got absolutely smashed by Basel 5-0 last time out in the Champions League um there's you know they've, they've got a pretty mediocre side got to say looking through the the players in that side uh, United surely are miles better than them. Yeah, and and surely should be looking to blow off the cobwebs, the post-international break cobwebs, which meant it was absolutely inevitable they couldn't be at their best against Liverpool. Nothing, uh, nothing, you know, it could possibly have done about that. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think that the uh, Benfica are, are third at the moment in the Portuguese league. But the fact that they've taken those two hammerings in in Europe, and one of them was at home, wasn't it? Or were they both away from home? I thought that CSK smashed them in Portugal. No, they just beat them in Portugal. Um, So if CSK and Moscow are winning away from home against you, United should just be, you know, unleashing all the big guns. I mean, after that game against Liverpool, though, I just don't know what the team's going to look like because presumably Fellaini will still be out. Um who I guess good Fellaini was missed against Liverpool, and even bad Fellaini was missed given the pattern of play. would have been useful to have him as an out-ball. Uh, so, so I guess it'll be the same midfield as was against Liverpool, but hopefully there'll just be a bit more, bit more attacking intent and hopefully a few, more, a few better individual performances because, like I said, I don't think that should be completely ignored in the Liverpool game. No, I mean, I, I thought, again, we spoke last week, I thought against Liverpool that he might play three at the back. He didn't in the end. Um, but he did play three at the back against Moscow, and it was actually quite an attacking three at the back. Um, and United really took the game to a pretty poor side. This is a bad side. They're not a good side, Benfica. United shouldn't be worrying about going all defensive. Um, so I wonder whether we'll get a little more positivity. I hope so, anyway. So only lost once in the league so far this season, but yeah, that Champions League uh, information is the Champions League results are probably a bit more of a pointer at where they're at in terms of the global stage. The fact that they beat... I mean, we beat Basel very easily at United. The fact that Basel were able to beat Benfica 5-0... I mean, I haven't seen that game, and sometimes games just get a bit funny, don't they? You know, a striker hits a hot streak, and things go ahead of you, and your head drops or whatever, and it looks worse than it is. But that is... A, that is that was a humbling. But yeah, I mean, that, they had man sent off, uh, but they just... It's not a good team. I mean... Um, uh, you cannot pick out too many really high-quality players in the Benfica side at the moment. You know, they've been... Um, you know, most of the Portuguese clubs, uh, probably particularly Porto, but Benfica as well, uh, have been very good about bringing players in, especially from South America, uh, and flipping them and selling them on for good profit. And you wonder whether they've just done that a bit often. Uh, and, you know, it's in a, a transitional period because... Um, yeah, they've got Seferovic, uh, sorry, the Swiss forward, who's a decent player. Um, and um, who else is going to play out from? Jonas will probably play out front. 
Zipkovich. God, a whole bunch of players I can't say, apparently. Uh, who's a decent player. Jardel at the back, the Brazilian's decent player. But, you know, not 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 tons and tons of players that you'd expect to be making sort of 25, 30 million pound moves in a couple of years' time. Nope. Um, so I've written down a team, a starting 11 for United. Dave in goal. Lindelof, talking to Lindelof, Smalling and Jones at the back with Valencia on one side and Young on the other. Matic Herrera in the midfield and then Martial and Mata behind Lukaku. Although I wouldn't be at all surprised if even that was miles away from what actually happens. I think that would be, that would kind of work. I mean, I kind of expect Mata to play given he didn't play against Liverpool. Um, But, you know, that team's awfully short on players who were just in the team for their defensive running um, for Mourinho's tastes. But he did kind of go for it with a 3-4-3 against against Moscow, although maybe he feels freer to do that with Pogba or even Fellaini in the team. Yeah, and and, uh, I don't... I'm not certain he'll go for a three in this game. I mean, Benfica do play a flat back four. They play a pretty standard sort of European formation. Um, Sometimes plays two up front. Uh, uh, which, you know, you'd have the spare man if you went for three. Um, although I don't think Mourinho's got a problem with sort of matching one-to-one in defensive situations. Um, you know, it, especially against Moscow, with them having such an old back line, I think he really did want to put pressure on them. Um, so I'm, I'm not certain he'll go through a three at the back. Um, but United should be much superior in midfield, e- even without Pogba, who, you know, we've missed a lot, yeah. you know, I think. yeah. And and you know there there is there is mitigation for that Liverpool performance. I just hammered them relentlessly. I, I don't I don't think the mitigation is enough. But missing Pogba and then missing the player that's come in to replace him, it should have been okay. But Herrera's had so little football to find form. That's a bit of a problem. Uh, the it did follow immediately on the back of an international break. But no no no, these excuses are turning to dust in my mouth, Ed. I don't believe any of them. No. Um... Yeah, I, I think I think United should dominate this game. I I I, I think you're right. Matt will come back in the side, just a bit more control. I guess Rashford will probably probably start, won't he? Um, since he didn't against Liverpool, uh, but I wouldn't expect too many changes. Um, yeah, Young's not going to play on the right wing again. He might play at left back. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I think. Yeah, Benfica's strengths are, are more of through midfield and attack than defence. You know, Pizzi's good through. His, through the centre midfield, if he's fit, um, and they've got some some talents, but uh, I think United should be well, well, you know, well good enough to win this game. I guess Eric Bailly might be back in the side actually. Yeah, I don't, was... I don't actually know how bad his injury was, or was it just yeah. fatigue? No, we haven't. We an inter, inter, an an injury suffered on international duty is all uh, all the, the reporting says about that. Um, we haven't got any specifics yet. Uh, so hopefully it'll be in the team. Anyway, that's Benfica. After that, Huddersfield, who've made an excellent start. Well, having drawn nil-nil with Jurgen Klopp, are we going to draw nil-nil with Jurgen Klopp's best mate, David Wagner? Maybe. They, they they have made a good start, Huddersfield, since I think pretty much everyone assumed that they would be going down. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I, again, a side that United should be so superior to that uh, we shouldn't be even thinking... Uh, about any chance of United playing defensively away at Huddersfield. <laughs> surely, no, Spurs, surely this is a return to 4 0. Spurs kind of popped their bubble a bit, didn't they, with that 4 0 win? Stealing and, our mojo uh, there. That's, our thing. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's our thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah we're going to we have to uh, one up them and go for 5 0 or something like that. <laughs> uh, Harry Kane was superb that day and scored some outrageous goals. 
Um, uh, so, you know, hey, they're there for the taking. They're not not a great side, but they have made a good they start. They lost to, to Swansea as well, which uh, is is very bad. They lost this weekend to Swansea. Uh, that's in Swansea. It's a bit different. But, yeah, I mean, so far they're, they're kind of um, – their start to the season has been eye-catching because it, it was better than anyone expected. But actually they've only got – what is it? One – one win in the league that can't be right no 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 it's just that the list of fixtures doesn't go back far enough but you know since they haven't had a win in the league since the 20th of august um so i guess the wheels have kind of come off that that i mean they've got a couple of decent draws uh since then but but yeah two losses on the bounce in fact if you include the cups their results go loss draw loss draw loss loss so you know listen Rumours of Huddersfield's amazing uh, form can be seriously overstated at this point. So it should be a comfortable Manchester United win. I mean, they they play a nice style of football, don't they? They, they you know, he, he's clop light in every way, um, and and they were very entertaining in the Championship. I mean, I think everyone at Huddersfield would kind of agree that this the promotion to Premiership was ahead of their schedule, wasn't it? They 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 were expecting a, a season of stability in the Championship and kind of sneaked up through the playoffs. Um, a very poor playoff final at that as well. Um, but yeah. Um, outperforming expectations but that even that seems to have tailed off already hmm. a bit yeah so we're gonna go out there all out attack and win four nil or five nil i mean i think there's every chance that that will happen to be honest like having just spent an hour slating man united there's every chance we'll win four nil in that game good 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 that's what we want we want a couple of wins this week to make everyone feel a bit more positive because it's amazing how quick the narrative sort of turned isn't it and that's all it is about performance it's about style and level of performance not just you know obviously everyone wants victories and if United won 1-0 at Liverpool then we'd be having a very different conversation I guess um but you know the positivity around the club matters and when when the team's spanking uh, the opposition 4-0 every week, it feels a lot better than playing out for a nil-nil draw, which is very ununited. And I think I think kind of reflecting on, on the show so far, I do feel like I've been swayed from what I actually really believed happened in that game a little bit by your uh, 80-20 stance on manager versus players. I, I'd... My biggest disappointment for the first two thirds of that match wasn't actually about the manager. That that really crept in at the back end of the match when there was nothing done to really try and win the game. What really worried me about that performance was the thing this United team need more than anything else is the belief that the past few years don't tell the story of the next few years and that they need to they need self-belief. They need to be able to execute at a high level when the stakes are high. And yeah. even like they've won a few cups and that, that involved some of that, but really even the Europa League, like it kind of dominated that final, but in a very weird way, like it wasn't, you know, and Ajax did look like a real kind of cut below in the end. And it was only the Europa League, although it's a big deal, you know, um, but they just, they failed on the, on the, on the stage that the, the test, the first big test of the season, they, they, they failed it. Nil nil was a failure in that game. Um, not a disaster, not the end of the world. It's a long season. There are many bigger tests ahead, but the reason that it really affected the narrative for me is I just really desperately hoped they wouldn't fail that test. Yeah. Uh, I think United need and Mourinho needs to go to a top team and really play well and win. It's happened not often. 
under Mourinho's watch. Uh, and that conservatism is just a bit much. Look, I know, I know the, the counter-arguments. Um, uh, well, you know, so uh, Mourinho wins a lot of trophies uh, and, you know, he's very pragmatic. He pulls this out when he needs to. Uh, look, United, ha- you know, like thinking about past managers, especially Fergie, it wasn't all a bed of roses. Fergie played defensive when he wanted to, had a pretty horrible record in his sort of last five years as manager at Anfield particularly, and so on and so on and so on. That's all irrelevant, you know. It's just kind of, it's a, it's a red herring. This is United and we expect United when it's a good team and when they're challenging or any team when they're a good team when they're challenging to match peers you know suitably well and uh, under Mourinho I haven't done that yet I saw a big victory in a big game really needed and Spurs are coming to Old Trafford in a couple of weeks time yeah I mean we did it against Chelsea last season right but almost by default at a very weird time in the season um then, but that's really the only one that I can think of off the top of my head. You know, um, someone said, I, don't, I can't remember who this was, I think it might have been a journalist, said on Twitter that that game was kind of, um, you know, this thing of Mourinho being a pragmatist. That game wasn't about Mourinho being a pragmatist. That was about Mourinho being defensive. Um, because if you if you look at that game pragmatically, you'd say that the best approach to that game wouldn't have been such a defensive approach. So... Anyway, should we we just say goodbye to that game forevermore? Never mention it again. Don't bring it up every time United play badly for the rest of the season. Honest. Yeah. No. What what we really should be doing is watching Betis versus Valencia, which was uh, after seventy eight minutes was four nil to Valencia. After eighty four minutes was three four, uh, and has just got to three wow. five with that a couple of minutes like, to go. Sounds like a heck of a game. Um, so. Predictions for Benfica and Huddersfield. Oh, I think United will win in Benfica 1-0. Yeah. And uh, win at Huddersfield, uh, let's say 3-1. Three, three, okay. Let's be generous. I am going for a 2-1 win over Benfica and a 4-0 win over Huddersfield. I'm not even joking. I, I think the 4-0s will be back. Um there's still plenty of talent in this United side and when it's brought to bear, it can do great stuff. All right. And then uh, we'll all be feeling a lot cheerier. Sorry for the miserable podcast. Sorry for the dramatic overreaction to one result, but it just confirmed a lot of fears. Um, We'll be back with another one of these next week. See you then. See you then. The Rankcast is produced by Tom Jenkins and supported by listeners like you. Head to patreon.com slash rankcast to find out more.